if my picture in Skype is like less than a centimeter, I look fucking sweet. When it looks like, when I look at it and I go, is that the head of a pin? Or is that my in-screen pick video? Oh, I can't tell the difference? Oh, I look good. But the bigger it gets, I, I like start, like when I'm, when I'm the size of the head of a pin, I'm a 10. And then by the time I get to like a MasterCard size, I'm already down to like a, a, a nine and a half. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Here is uh, a fun game. Are you recording, by the way? Dude, I, I haven't stopped recording since our last podcast. So, there. this is an interesting question. There's your perceived rating that you give yourself on looks only. Not, not after you've been the king of the castle on stage, not after I played a blistering solo to the song Montgomery. It's just me in a target, okay? There's that rating out of 10 that I'll give myself. Then there's the rating I'll give myself after I've just come off the goddamn stage or after we've had a conversation at the bar. And those are two different ratings for me. So I'm going to tell you what my ratings are for me, and then I want to hear what yours are for yourself. I'm, I'm are we frozen? In. No, no. Okay. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm listening so hard. My face couldn't make a, make make my mouth move. That, that's how hard I was listening. So I would honestly rate myself if I'm just a guy at Starbucks, probably a four or a five. Yeah, you're just a dude at Starbucks. You're a four or five. I'm not. I'm not Tom Cruise. I'm not Brad Pitt. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not the monster I think I am. Sometimes, you know, like if I'm looking good and wearing a cool jacket and hanging out. I'm not a guy any chick's gonna swoon over, but I'm a four or five. I'm fine. All right, can we can you, can we ca- can we do one thing before we go any further? Can we calibrate our system of one to ten? Because mm-hmm. all right, one obviously there's no such thing as zero. Is there a zero? Yeah, I can think of some. Danny DeVito is a zero. No, <laughs> he is. No, Danny dude. DeVito as a guy in Starbucks is a zero. No, Danny DeVito's like a three or a four. No, no. Yeah, if Danny yeah. DeVito's a three or a four, then I'm not a fucking four. I can tell you that. Here, Danny DeVito's a. F- I just said I was a four. I know that's why I'm trying to calibrate the system because I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to pull up a. No, I don't like where this is going at all. I don't like what you're doing to the game. You're saying there's no zero. There's a, there's a zero. Danny DeVito. All right. Uh, Ron I, Ron Jeremy. Where does Ron Jeremy be for you in your calibration? He's about a four, five. A four, dude. Have you seen his dick? So who would be a three? Who would be a two? Who would be a one? Like somebody, like if you saw them, you would grimace. You would be like, uh, uh. you'd have that. Uh. Like Elephant Man. Like Elephant Man. Like, all right, Elephant Man would be about a one. But they're just, <laughs> Elephant Man's not even a zero. Elef- you're telling me Elephant Man's a two. There's somebody even worse than the Elephant Man. But yeah, I'm saying Elephant Man's like a one. Let's go Elephant Man one. And then a 10. I think that's tough, though, because there just aren't many elephant men. But there are lots of real average and real ugly men. And then who are we going to go with 10, just to calibrate? Tim would be like, you know, Adonis. Tim would be like fucking Fabio. Brad Pitt. Ryan Gosling. No, dude. David no. Beckham. No. Oh, my God. No. We can't even pl- we can't even agree on how to play Those guys game. are so nines. Those guys are nines. Well. I just saw this movie called Tom of Finland, which is about this gay artist. Have you ever heard of Tom of Finland? 
No. He would do these like crazy, like really well done drawings of uh, gay men. And it was mostly like leather. Like they would wear like, you know, military uniforms or cop uniforms. And it became this whole like subculture of gay guys. Like when you see like the cop in uh, Village People, that's like a Tom guy. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the dudes in that he would draw, they had a dude in the movie that it was like a 10 because he looked like one of those dudes. Well, here's what here's the only way I can see for us going forward with the game. I'm just going to stick to my calibration that I think everyone understands and you stick to yours that I think everyone understands. Well, here's the deal, dude. No there're no better looking dudes than the hottest gay dudes. Period. Well, to me, Danny DeVito would be a 0, okay? So that's so Danny DeVito is a see, 0, Brad, Brad but, Pitt's a 10. So and where's Elephant Man? Zero. More than one person can be at zero. You're going to put zero. Danny DeVito and Elephant Man in the same? Like, Matthew Perry would be like a two or a three. What? The guy who played Chandler Bing. He'd be like a two or a three. Matthew Perry? Yeah. Let's go ahead and just do the Friends cast. So, David Schwimmer, Ross, would probably be a five. Joey's about an eight. Phoebe's at about a four. Monica's at an eight. Jennifer Anderson's at a 10. I would say the entire cast is like hovering between eight and nine. Even David Schwimmer is like a, a soft eight. So you're saying Brad Pitt's nine and David Schwimmer's an eight. And then this this dude that plays a drawing from Tom of Finland, which is super ultra pornographic gay drawings in the movie is a 10. Okay. Well, so in my estimation, on my and again, I think our listeners have sussed out our different calibrations. Okay. okay. Hold on. Let me get the calibration whistle just so that we know we've been fully calibrated. Here we go. All right. We're calibrated. And what's actually most interesting about what, what I'm trying to talk about is the difference between these two things. So without you talking to me or seeing me on stage, I would give myself a four or a five. Okay. Guy at Target. The, again... It's not necessarily that that's what you are, but that's your perception of yeah. yourself in yeah, Target. Yeah, that's how I would rate. That's how I rate Starbucks. myself. And my wife told me it was pretty accurate. <laughs> oh, so, god yeah. damn it! Yeah. What? So, Ugh, that's rough. So, but you talk to me, and I look into your eyes, and I find out all about you. I ask the questions, and you you laugh at the jokes, and then you see me on stage. I shoot right up to a nine, real quick. Real quick. That's how I see it. Now, everyone, remember Bob's different calibration where Elephant Man's a two and Brad Pitt's a nine. Elephant Man is one and Brad Pitt's a nine. So where do you see yourself as just the guy at the Austin Whole Foods on Fifth Avenue? Here's what's weird. At this point, this is the worst I've ever looked in my life, ever. But I would think of myself as like an eight at the Starbucks, not uh -huh. coming off stage. Whereas right. when I was like 29 and I was like as hot as I've ever looked in my life, I would have thought of myself as like maybe a seven. <laughs> dude, I'm saying, my calibration is, dude, you want to know my calibration? Let's hear the calibration Here, whistle. Hold here's on, my wait. calibration. Super calibrated. Now, super calibration, festiality, ferocious. Now, check this out. When I get off stage, I'm a goddamn rock solid gold plated 10. Yeah. Plus. I would have guessed that. 
So you go from an eight in everyday normal life to a 10. Oh, yeah. You know what the other thing that, that <laughs> me and Isabel, when me and Isabel talked about this, is that men always rate themselves higher than women do. Like women are harder on themselves. Well, yeah, that makes sense. She said that dudes always rate themselves higher than they actually are. Well, here's the thing too, dude. The way I think I look and the way I look are two different things. Like when I think of myself and the way I look, I'm thinner, younger, and those two things. But when I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, fuck. Who is that guy? (laughs) I know who he is. I'm just not happy about it. Yeah. But the good thing is, I don't have to look in the mirror most of the time. I don't have to see myself from a side angle from somebody's photo camera. I can just keep myself right in my mind all the time. Real fine. Cool, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take 50% because I was in the room. Oh, fuck. Dude, guess what I just started watching? What did you just start watching? I mean, the Peaky Blinders. Oh, boy. You love some nice British shit, man. Have you watched watched Peaky Blinders? No. Dude, I tried to watch that shit five years ago when it came out, or six years ago, whenever it was. And I was like, fuck this show. But now I'm like, dude, I need something to get lost in for six seasons. And I'm I'm doing it. I'm I'm 100% in. That ought to last, what, a solid week? Yeah, that's one solid week of something to look forward to in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I need. I just need one week of something to look forward to I, to get through the next week. I find myself, and this is going to... Um, I, I mean it pretty lightheartedly, but it will offend my British friends who I know listen to the show from Metal Every Podcast. But I find myself less and less wanting to engage in any kind of British entertainment. And a lot of it has to do with I can't understand what they say anymore. I have to watch British entertainment with subtitles on. Oh, yeah. Um, dude, if you think I'm watching Peaky Blinders without <laughs> subtitles. Because otherwise, how do you know what the fuck they're talking about? I don't know what the fuck they're saying, dude. Get, all right, I'm going to say a word, and you tell me what the word is. Ready? All right. All right. Kush. I'll use it in a sentence. Okay. We're going to need more cash. Oh. Kush. Are you going to need me, Kush? I'm in the peaky blondes. How do they get away with that? Dude, they're gangsters. And gangsters in any language can just fucking say the words the way they want to say them. And then people are like, well, they're gangsters. What, are you going to tell them to say it right? No. They'll slice you up with their razors in there. Well, it is cold English. Skull caps. In it? cold American, is it? It's cold English. We invented it. Dude, I watch so much British TV. I know. You love that shit. Dude, I watched this episode of British Baking Show from the newest season. I have, I'm just, I've been like, you know, have you ever like had something super delicious? Like maybe somebody got you like some super expensive chocolates or something and you don't want to eat them all. Because you know once you eat them all, they're gone forever. That's the way it is with the Great British Baking Show right now. Do you think I'm the kind of guy who, when he finds something he likes, who saves any of the chocolate for later? Or am I the guy who eats them all in two and a half seconds? What kind of guy am I? You're the two and a half second guy. I get it. And I'm the two and a half second guy as well. But every once in a while, there's something so precious to me that I'm like, well... I've got to figure out a way to savor this. So that's what I've been doing with the Great British Baking Show. 
Anyways, they got rid of so a guy. So what do you allow yourself? Do you allow yourself like an episode a week or something? Well, first of all, I waited until the show was complete. Like, cause they were doing it this year where they were like releasing one a week. And I was like, fuck that. TV's going back to that. Fuck that. I hate it. So I'm like, I'm not even going to start watching it until it's all the way released. So it's all out now. And then I'm like, well, I'll just watch one every night with my daughter because she loves it. Anyways, we watched one last night and they got rid of this guy. And I was just bawling. I was bawling. You're crying about other shit. You have this other weird thing wrapped up in that show. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it's called My Whole Life. <laughs> my Whole Life. My right. existence. Yeah. Dude, the Great British Baking Show is the perfect metaphor for life. You have all these people f- that are all different. They're all they're different ages, different heights, different weights, different nationalities, different accents. They all they all live together. They all live their lives. And for the most part, they're all good people. They all love each other. And they all support each other. They all want to win. But if they don't win, they're like, well, I didn't win. And they, they, and they, they, and which is what most people are. And, and the problem with the world today is that's the way most people are. And we're told to believe that there are huge groups of people that are just fucking evil or ignorant or stupid or dumb or what the fuck, but they're not. Most people are nice wonderful people. And so you get to see it on this show. You get to see people from all different walks of life, getting along, having a good time, doing this stupid baking contest. It has nothing to do with the baking contest. It has everything to do with these people and their interactions and love and then dying. And then at the end of the show, at the very end of the season, they have three bakers left. They have their final challenge. One of them is named Star Baker. They don't get any money. They get like an ashtray. And all the other players who were in, they all bring their families. They all have a big picnic out on this lawn like they're in heaven. And they all celebrate knowing each other and having known each other and their friendships and their their time together. Dude, it is such a beautiful show. It really, truly is the way the world is and and we're told every day because of the way we're fed media that the world is this scary crazy fucked up place full of horrible evil people and it's just not there are people like that it for sure is (laughs) it for sure is it's not dude it's not go walk go walk around manhattan at midnight Go I have walk walked, down. Go walk I've, around Sixth Street at midnight. I've walked around Sixth Street. What, dude? I'm not gonna walk around. I'm not gonna walk around Sixth Street at midnight. There's yeah. drug addicts out there. Yeah, that's because the world's full of that. Yeah, the but guess what? Guess down. what happens when when those stupid uh, like drug addicts who are powerless over their addictions finally get sober? They they're nice people. They're nice people underneath it all. Sure, dude. There's very few evil evil people hurt people hurt people most people who hurt people were hurt themselves doesn't mean the world's that safe dude i'm a i'm a wonderful person and i've hurt people i hurt people occasionally because i'm i get scared and i want to control you are a because you are a hurt person hurt people hurt people yeah and and who's not hurt who doesn't get hurt in life everybody gets hurt Mm -hmm. so anyways i'm just saying 
the world's full of mostly good people. But you know that what they're the the package they're presenting to you on that show is also heavily manipulated and edited. They're feeding you an idea. That's there's not just they're not just like let the cameras roll and let the British people show us what the world's like because they love each other and their families. That's all. That's all scripted and edited, and and it's that's all a product that they're selling you. Okay. I did see the Isbell had it on, and we had to turn it off. I couldn't handle it, but I did see a guy get eliminated, and he was crying and talking about how proud he was. Yeah, that's the way it is every time. Every show, I'm just really uh, proud. And, <laughs> every show when they get le- eliminated, this is exactly what it was. Well, I knew it was my time to go. I just knew it. You know, you make one bad cake, and and what can you do? It was my time to go, and you know, I just feel really proud that I made it to the fifth round. Well, somebody's got to be the first one to go. That may as well have been me. It was me, but you know, I'm just so proud to have been on the show. Just the fact, you know, I get to meet these people, and they're my lifelong friends now. I've got this group of friends that I didn't have. How come every British accent sounds like I'm in the Beatles? Even the peaky, even the peaky blinders ones. <laughs> I like a nice Liverpudlian accent. I like it when you do the. Uh, he's a dumb sounding guy because his voice is really loud. I'm in the peaky don't. blinders. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that accent is basically when my son was like four. <laughs> we would go to McDonald's every once in a while, and then right before we would go, I would always go. I'm going to McDonald's. <laughs> and he would laugh so hard. But he was so excited to go to McDonald's because it's so good. Yeah. It's unfortunate how good the food tastes over there at uh, at McDonald's. Because it's straight up poison. It's straight up poison. But, dude, it's straight up so I don't think there's good. any food in it. <laughs> it's, it's, there's some food in there, but it's... It's mostly just scents. They like have figured out the scent game. So you smell it and you go, oh, this smells so good. And then you taste it and it tastes good because there's salt. And the smell and the salt make you think that you're eating something good. But your body just, like as soon as it gets into your body and and like the scientists of your body start breaking the food apart, they're like, like uh-oh. dude, why did you swallow all this poop? Dude, you swallowed a bunch of fucking poisonous garbage. What are you doing? And then we they're like, do anything with this. Dude, it starts releasing all these gases and all the scientists of your body are like, I got to go to sleep. <laughs> it knocks them all out. We're all going to sleep down here. Good luck. No, it's like their last gasp. They're like, oh no, he ate a fucking Big Mac again. Dude, when you eat a Big Mac, your body just goes into fucking like shut down. There's not like you know who's not you know who's not eating a Big Mac before a big race? Usain Bolt. Yeah. He's not breaking the world record. If he just goes and eats a Big Mac right before he fucking races. I did see some athletes, like, I think it was Michael Phelps, the swimmer, uh-huh. because he burns, like, ten, he burns so many calories a day right? that he has to eat, like, 5,000 calories a day. So, he's just cramming as much shit as he can in his face. Yeah, but those but guys are- That's how athletic he is. Right. Those guys are just eating, like, a pound of rice or a pound of pasta or something. <laughs> but Which is what I do also, except I don't swim the- I don't swim the 10,000 calories away that they do. Dude, I walk. I just do a leisurely, tender walk of three miles, and then I feel like, oh, I can eat anything I want. (laughs) That's how it works, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm on day four now of running five miles a day and calorie counting, and I feel it feels good to be back on track. First 10 days are rough because progress meter is at zero, but- I do feel better just knowing that I might be thin again 
in a month. Well, you get that, two. you get that hopeful feeling. It, it's like, oh, I'm going to, tr- it's going to turn around this time. You don't get that hopeful feeling when you wake up and you just pound muffins. Like I got <laughs> yeah. up this morning. It's the opposite and, of that feeling. And just pounded muffins. And I'm like, well, today <laughs> nothing's going to change. Like I'm just going to keep going down the road to getting fatter and fatter. You do that. I, you do that. Like you, if you do start your morning like that, like pounding muffins, you do have this thing in your brain where you're like, well, this day's gone. It's gone. Dude, that's the way, that's why I don't drink. If I have one sip of alcohol, right, I'm right. not stopping drinking. Because I, and and I, I'm not, I, when I say stopping, forever. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like pure addict brain, I guess. Yeah. I do that. I have days where I'm like, oh, I fucked this whole day up and I'll do that. But then I, more so than that, I'll have a shitty meal where I'm not proud of what I did. And I'll be like, all right, well, now dinner's going to be, you know, I'm going to have a salad for dinner and I'm going to run tonight to like make up for it. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference between addict brain and somebody who can kind of keep it together. Right. It's a small difference. Some some would say imperceptible. Well, that's why, you know, some of my buddies who are, you know, sort of freshly minted in the program, I have a few friends that are a couple of years in, <clears throat> you know, things get weird in their lives. And I do worry about them because I, I feel like when you've done the time a little bit, the crash from that, if you do get back into some trouble, the shame involved or like the, well, I fucked it all up and the spiral of that. I worry about that a little bit with some of my buddies. Well, I will say this. Anytime you get sober, it kind of fucks up your drinking forever after that. So even if you like go back out, most people, when they go back out, they don't go back out. It's usually, it's usually a pretty short stint. Oh, really? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, this doesn't work at all. Now, sometimes they die. Or sometimes maybe they're not. I was going to say, it doesn't seem like they just dip their toe back in the water. No. It's like full on. It's Dude, I've never seen anybody at an AA meeting and then seen them drinking and thought, oh, they got it. They got it they're under fine. control. Yeah, they're fine. Never once, dude. You see them and you're like, oh, that's why I met them in AA. So you've these- seen that? You've seen people oh, yeah. that, that you've known in AA, which of course is anonymous, but you'll see them out like, and it's like, well, I guess they decided to yeah, it's get, ca- back, get back off the wagon. and Oh, yeah. I mean, most, I don't, you know, I don't know what the recidivism, whatever the fucking recidivism recidivism is, but it's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, most, I think most people don't stay sober. So yeah. So they'll be, they'll go back out and then you'll see them and you'll be like, Ooh, yikes. Right. That doesn't look good. Cause you, you only know them from, you know, being super nice and chill in the meetings and then you see them out and they're like, good God. They got the party hat on. What do you attribute your success at it to? Because you're not the kind of like, okay, so there are the kind of AA folk who they take a picture of the, you know, you get a coin or, you know, you they, they, they basically almost like count the days, you know, 10 years and 18 months. And you don't seem like that kind of dude that like commemorates that kind of thing. Or are you? That's something you do privately. I mean, I think I was the first year. The first year or two, I was for sure. I mean, I was going to meetings every day, but I mean, eventually you just kind of, some people say you you can recover from the disease. I don't know if that's true. I, I know I'll always be who I am. I'll never be able to drink successfully. Like, yeah. the, the, I think the reason that I've done so well is that I've vilified drinking from, first of all, I did it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like, I didn't have like a, 
half a six pack and go, mm, I think I'll go to AA now. Yeah, you, you went hard. Dude, I fucking woke up. You know, you wake up at 6 a.m. outside of a dumpster next to a 7-Eleven, half wet. And it, had, and it didn't rain last night. And the wetness ain't, it's not coming from your jeans. You, you wake up like that and you're like, well, that, that, that wasn't a successful situation. And then you find out, and then I go home, I wake up. And luckily, I only lived about a block away. I go home. And then later on that day, I'm talking to this guy. And he's like, oh, dude, I was working at 7. He worked at 7-Eleven, this friend of mine. He's like, dude, you showed up at 7-Eleven last night about 4 in the morning. And you walked up to the fucking hot dog machine and tried to do that chief thing that he does at the end of fucking One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, where you were going <laughs> to grab the fucking hot dog machine and try to pick it up and throw it through the window. And I had to physically, this guy was a big dude, physically come around, grab you, and get you out of the store so you wouldn't do it. And I'm like, I have no memory of that. How'd you get wet? How'd you get half wet? I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I'm assuming something made me wet. Only the angels in heaven know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who knows, dude? dude. Now, did that stop me from drinking? No. It made me want to drink. Yeah, you're like, I'm glad I'm at, well, I'm glad I'm at the 7-Eleven, because guess what's in there? Dude, I need a drink real bad. No, so, the reason, the reason that sobriety works for some people and it doesn't work for others, it's real simple. Some people want to stop drinking. Yeah. And if you want to stop drinking then it works. And if you just want to stop drinking for a little bit and then start drinking again or control your drink or whatever, it doesn't work. You can do the whole program, do everything you want. But if you want to drink, you're going to drink. Now, I just got to a point where I'm like, this never works. It's never worked in the ever. It will never work. And then I tried to stop and I couldn't. And that's where you need to get. You need it to the point where you're like, you're like, this isn't working for me. I need to stop. Oh, I don't know how to stop. Right. And then you go to AA. Then it works. You got to do all the stuff too. It's that clarity though that I, I have some friends. I have a friend in particular I'm thinking about who <clears throat> I think he's been sober for a while now. I mean, maybe eight years. But I was around, I was with him when it was happening and he was very upset about it. Very, very not wanting to accept that he needed it, but was kind of doing the process. And I watched him fuck all that up because he just really resented it, that it was a problem. And he really hated it. And he tried to make everyone around him feel the same. He tried to tell me I was an alcoholic because I was drinking a lot when I was 26 on the fucking road. And I would be like, I'm not an alcoholic, dude. You're an alcoholic. You're, you turn into a piece of shit and you can't not do this. That's not what I'm doing, bro. But I think all this time later, man, I still don't think this particular guy has made peace with the fact that he needs to be sober. I think he is sober, but he's, I think he, it's this weird demon on his shoulder that he will have the rest of his life. And you can see it peek through all the stuff he does. And it's, it's in a way that you don't do that. You know what I mean? Like you don't seem to have that at all. I do though. I just don't have it with alcohol. With alcohol and drugs, it's very clear cut for me. But with other things, sugar mainly, hmm. just food drugs, 
-hmm. With food drugs, I know it's not good for me. And I go, and it doesn't make me feel good. And every time I like eat a bunch of ice cream and chips and whatever, and I'm feeling horrible, I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But then the next day I feel fine and I do it again. And the idea of leaving that behind forever is so appalling. But I know if I did, I know if I did, I would feel better, I would look better, and my life would be better. But I haven't been willing to accept that or or do that yet for some reason. I met a guy a few years ago, um, this musician guy, and he had been food sober like he 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 was like an it, it wasn't over at it wasn't overeating anonymous but it was another thing just like it where you give up sugar basically mm-hmm. and he had not had a like a candy bar and he kind of like processed sugar for like 20 years and he was skinny and he looked good and he felt good about it he was trying to get me to get into that hmm. and i was like man the idea of never having a fucking candy bar or a scoop of ice cream or a piece of bread, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like, it's just so appalling to me. But that's the exactly the way I felt about drinking until I quit. Like, I felt the same way. I was like, well, there's no way I'm not going to ever drink. That sounds awful. Like, who could mm. possibly imagine? I couldn't imagine a life where you don't drink. That sounds awful. Right. But then once I did it, it was like, oh, this is actually wonderful i mean when i say wonderful i mean (laughs) it's life so sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good but the drinking only makes everything worse there's no situation where it makes it better the only time i would consider drinking is if i had a limited amount of time to live Mm -hmm. and you knew that yeah if i knew i had like okay you do have a limited amount of time to live yeah but but i'm I'm talking about like if i had a month to live Right. I'm drinking. Or if my kids, something happened to my kids, I'm drinking. But if I'm going to live indefinitely or for another 10 years or five years or whatever, I'm not going to, just my life is horrible that way. It's not a good life. This is a better life. So it's just math for me. Well, I, you do love to do some math and I like that about you. I never knew you in those days, but I'm glad that you made those decisions because, you know, I'm glad you're alive and in that regard, healthy and that we get to hang out each week and do this podcast for all the people who love hearing us talk about how we rate ourselves on an attractive scale. (laughs) (laughs) If you like the show, leave us the review. Thanks, daddies. iTunes, you know what to do. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash I-O-K. The postcards are in the physical world. We have them. They first went to you. I signed them all. You signed them all. You sent them to me. They're in the mail to you. I will sign them. And I've gotten the roll call over at the Patreon, and those will go in the mail. I mean, if I get them today, they're going to go out tomorrow. So if you want a, I mean, I'm talking extremely limited edition postcards. Dude, these things are so collectible. Like, I know people that collect, like, Fugazi sweaters, and they're already like, oh, I need to get me some of those IOK postcards. I'm like, don't you just collect Fugazi sweaters? And they're like, yeah, but these things are so collectible. I'm switching it up a little bit. It's a pretty tight little niche there of people who collect Fugazi sweaters. That's like, that is like a volleyball team's worth of people in the whole world. I know, but dude, they're serious about it. No, they're for real. And they're good at volleyball. Dude, here's the deal. Have you listened to more than five episodes? If you've listened to less than five episodes, 
do not join Patreon. If you've listened to more than five episodes, do the right thing. Not not for us, but for you. For Spike Lee. Watch the film do the right thing, and then actually in your life do the yeah. right thing. I mean, yeah, well, watch do the right. If you haven't seen do the right thing, watch You've got to see that. Yeah, for sure. Well, we love you out there. We appreciate the support, and we'll see you next week where we do have something very cool to say about Patreon. In the meantime, take care of yourself. Take care of your families. Be good, babies. Bye. 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 <laughs>